0: We, um, we don't watch a whole lot of television in our house, and actually our, our TV lives in a uh, closet. Um, we pull it out sometimes for movies and such, but for the most part, um, we're not doing much with TV. And so we went on vacation a few weeks ago, um, the highlight, perhaps, for the children was the hotel room <laughs> with a TV, sometimes two and endless numbers of channels, some of which we actually let them watch. And often our, um, our, our, our station would land on the Food Network, and there's a show on that channel called Chopped. Have you all seen this show? Uh, I know I'm probably late to the game. Um, it's a great show. We like watching it. And, um, and basically, I mean, the premise behind it is that um, these three chefs have access to a fully stocked kitchen, and um, they are given... Um, a basket with three mystery ingredients in it. The ingredients are revealed, and then they have, I don't know, 20 minutes or so or less sometimes to prepare a meal. Um, They get three courses, and after each course, somebody gets chopped because their meal was not good enough. And so we watch this show, and we see these chefs... And I tell you, I look, and and they're they're flinging all these things into the pan, and they're they're stirring it up, and and, and it literally looks delicious. And and you look at their little work area, and you think, there are no measuring cups anywhere. They're not measuring anything. They're throwing in salt and garlic and all these seasonings, and and they're not measuring anything. And then I think to like, okay, well, when I cook, um, which is rarely and not well, what does that look like? Well, it looks like me. Staring at a recipe card, measuring, checking, measuring, checking, and then pouring it in. I'm bound to this recipe card. If this recipe card were to wander off, I would be completely lost. And your food would taste like salt and Worcestershire sauce. (laughs) And not much else. Now, it's interesting, right? Because my goal, okay... And the goal of these great chefs on Chopped is the same. We both want to prepare a delicious dinner. But they're having fun. And they're free. And they're throwing all sorts of stuff around. And when it comes out, it looks amazing. And when mine comes out, it looks edible sometimes. (laughs) They have a joy and a freedom in cooking, whereas I'm burdened and bound to this recipe card. And their meal, I'm sure, I've never tasted it, it tastes better than mine. I want you to just keep that image in your mind, okay? That the goal of the recipe and the goal of the chefs on this this great show is the same. It's a delicious meal. But one way of getting there is a way of burden and pain and difficulty and the fact that you're probably going to mess up and the other way of getting there is, is freeing and joyful. And at the end of the day, they are serving the same purpose, the same fulfillment of a delicious dinner. Think about this image as we talk about Galatians today. We're moving ahead in our Galatians sermon series. Um, and the title today is, Is the Law Fulfilled? Um, often when Paul's writing his letters, okay, the first part of the letter will will feel more theological. This is a, um, often... ...about God and and us and our relationship. And the second part is still theological, but it's more of an applied theology. Um, uh, What does the reality of who God is and who we are in light of that look like in our daily lives? And that's where we've been moving now as we come towards the end of Galatians. Now if you'll remember, Paul's main concern is that the Galatians are in danger of returning to a life of slavery to the law... Paul had come, he had preached the gospel, right? Um, And through faith in Jesus Christ, they were freed from their sins, and they were freed from the burden of the law, this burden that was overbearing on them to behave correctly in order to be made right with God, okay? They were freed from that. And yet here comes this group coming in and preaching a different gospel. And they're saying, yes, you need Jesus, but you've also got to follow the rules, You've got to be circumcised. And then everything that comes with that, you've got to be part of the covenant people of Abraham. And and if you're not, then salvation is not yours. And that burden of life, of following the rules in order to get to God, comes crashing back down on them with these imposter preachers. And Paul says, you're in danger of returning to the burdens of the law. When Paul talks about law, he's talking about Old Testament law. Think Ten Commandments, think the rules and regulations, think the sacrificial system, think the the civil rules um, that govern their lives together. He's talking about that on one hand, but he's also talking about, and we see in in Romans he alludes to this, um, in, in many ways he's talking about our conscience, It's the things that that perhaps are our own moral barometer inside each one of us and and the standards we hold for others. And what he wants to argue is that whether it's the imposed law from the Old Testament or the imposed law in your own heart, these standards that you are setting or being set upon you cannot be lived up to. Even the ones you dream up yourself, you can't fulfill. If you want to be made right with God... Doing it through your behavior is not going to work. And once you realize that, it's a burden. And you never know if you're good enough, or you tried hard enough, or you obeyed all the right rules. You'll never know, and that is a crushing weight. And Paul says, when you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are freed from that. You have freedom from the burdens of law and expectations. In our passage today, Paul, he's ready to move it forward now, okay? He says, he can anticipate this question. Well, what does this look like? You talk about freedom from the law, but what does that look like in our daily lives? And what Paul wants to say is that actually it is in our freedom from the law that we can fulfill the purpose of the law, okay? Now this is this is important. I'm going to say it again. Our freedom from the law allows us to fulfill the purpose of the law. I can hardly fulfill the purpose of a recipe, right? Because I'm too concerned about messing it up. But a cook with no recipe, just throwing stuff together, can fulfill the purpose in a very delicious way. And so it is with the law. When we're under it, we can't fulfill it. But when we're freed from it, we can, or we, Jesus can through us. Let's see. Let's unpack this a little bit. What does it look like? Well, we're in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 to 18. If you have your Bibles, I suggest you open them up, or if you've got it on your phone, that's okay. I know you're not playing Pokemon Go, <laughs> most of you. Um, Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. I'm going to start there. So the first thing we want to notice is Paul reinforces this idea that we are a free people; we are freed from the law. But he actually expands it a little bit. So let's listen to what he says: "For you are called to freedom, brothers. And, and and that word they're using for brothers is, is could be translated brothers and sisters. It's a familial term. You are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh." But through love, serve one another. So you were called to freedom. And this freedom is from two things, actually. Now we've talked about one, and Paul's been hammering this point home. You're freed from the law. And I think think y'all are starting to get what that means. You've been freed from the law. But you're also freed from slavery to something else. You're freed from slavery to the flesh, is what Paul calls it. And when he talks about the flesh, he means our sinful desires. And we're freed from slavery to them as well. And so what this looks like, Paul is saying, is, is look, just because you've been freed from the rules of regulation does not mean that you're actually free to pursue whatever you want. Now, this is in stark contrast to how we think of freedom. It's tempting to say, I'm a free man, right? Right? I can do whatever I please, anything I want. When we talk about freedom, we think it means rights. We think it means things that we can do that nobody has control over except um, whatever we want to do. As long as we're not hurting anybody else, we are free to do whatever we want. We live in a free country. I might have heard that once or twice from my children. Um, But Paul says that thinking this way actually leads to another form of slavery slavery to the flesh, slavery to our sinful desires, slavery to the actions of our sinful bodies. So let us not forget the fact that even though we have been justified, even though Jesus has made us right with God through faith in Him, we're still sinful people. We still do things that are contrary to God's will. We still satisfy and gratify our own inward desires that are not in line with who God is and how he has loved us. Now, we might be getting better. And sometimes getting better just means sinning differently and not doing these sins anymore, but actually realizing we have these over here that we haven't even dealt with. And the reason that is, is because we're not there yet. Christ hasn't returned. We we haven't been made fully holy, and perfected. None of us in this room is fully perfect, and so we still sin. We still give in to sinful desires. What Paul is saying is, if you use your freedom from God's law to gratify the desires of the flesh, you're not really free. You're actually going to become slaves to these things. You will become slaves to them if you gratify them, and especially gratify them excessively. Now, I think it's interesting to note, there's all sorts of things Paul could have named. In a couple of verses, he's going to name a lot of them, but Trip will tell you about those. But in this section, he names one thing, and he's focusing on discord, and especially even discord among Christians. And so if you looked at verse 13... Um, where he says, Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now listen to this. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. I think Paul sees that the most tempting, perhaps, Desire of the flesh that that we so quickly and so easily, and sometimes they'll even notice us walking into, is, is what he calls the biting and devouring of one another, slandering one another, gossiping one another, fighting against one another. And Paul is saying, do not use your freedom from God's law as an excuse for this type of behavior. And I think this sort of thing is is a problem in the church. You know, gossip, slander, rumor, things like this, the biting and devouring, the infighting. This is is a problem in the church in general that we've got to be aware of. We turn against each other. Sometimes, actually, we sanctify it, don't we? You know, you're in Bible study and it's time for prayer requests. Yeah, please pray for Sue. You know what she's doing, right? Oh, you haven't heard. Well, let me tell you so you can pray. That's gossip. That's not prayer. That's biting and devouring. That's, that's going at each other. And Paul says, if you use your freedom as an opportunity to the, for the flesh, whether it's that or whether it's any other number of things, and you know what it is for you personally, Paul is saying, you're not free. You're actually slaves to that thing. And it will get worse and worse and worse. And it will separate you from God. Freedom, Paul is saying, is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not an excuse for any and every behavior. Our freedom has a higher and deeper purpose. So that's the first thing. We are free. We're free from the law, and we're free from the desires of the flesh. Second thing we see about our freedom um, it is through our freedom that the law is actually fulfilled in us. It was first fulfilled in Christ. He says, I've, not, I've come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And now Paul is saying um, that we as a body, as the body of Christ, should fulfill the law as well. What does that mean? Well, let's read uh, sort of that middle section there, 13 of 14. Uh, okay, so you're called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. However, but... Through love, right, through love, serve one another. listen to this. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what is Paul doing? Well, he's saying this law that you've been freed from, whether it's the ceremony, whether it's the moral, whether it's the civil and, and structural law, All of these things are fulfilled in one word, Paul says, love your neighbor as yourself. Almost certainly building or um, now explaining what Jesus said, right, to the Pharisee who said, um, uh, he said, you know, what is the most important law, right? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself all of the old testament rules regulations laws and stipulations point to those two things love god and love your neighbor love god and love your neighbor and Paul's picking up on the neighbor bit but they're they're both in view here and so Paul is saying we are called to use our freedom in service to other people so that we as a church might fulfill the law of God. That is a very different understanding than what we, how we understand freedom. This is a paradoxical argument, okay? When you try to fulfill the law, when I say paradoxical, you know what that means? It's like a jumbo shrimp. That's a paradox um, because a shrimp is little. How can it be jumbo? Um, how can you fulfill the law by being freed from it? Paul is saying when you try to fulfill the law by obeying it, you'll fall short. You'll be burdened. Your sinful self cannot obey the law of God. But when you live in freedom from the law, you're actually able to fulfill it. You're, you're so, you stop being focused on getting everything right, and instead you're free to look up. Look up to God, look out to your neighbor, and serve them and love them as God is calling us to do that. Now, this is all fine and good, but I'm guessing this is not the first thing you think about when you think of freedom. The first thing many of us think about when we think of freedom is, I'm free, therefore I have rights. Okay? We're we're so couched in individual rights that we think to be free from something is to have the right to do as we please. Now, I'm not obviously opposed to individual rights. But when we start thinking of freedom in terms of, I can do what I want. I'm free to use my money how I please. I'm free to do what's right and what's best for me, as long as it doesn't hurt everybody else. We're actually going to be in bondage again, right? We're going to be in bondage to ourselves. And when we start thinking about freedom, and you hear me saying, And when I tell myself this, I already preached this sermon to myself this week. When I'm telling myself that, look, true freedom actually means to serve somebody else, I start thinking, when am I going to get to do that? My schedule is so packed, it is so tight. What does it even look like to serve somebody else? I'm not sure I want to serve somebody else. I don't really like my neighbor. What, how, what are we going to do with this? Because all of a sudden, now it's starting to feel like a burden again, right? How can I possibly serve someone else and fulfill the law of God? Brings us to the third and final point about this message. We need the Holy Spirit working in us to fulfill the law of God. So let's read verses 16 to 18. But I say, walk by the Spirit. So to follow Christ in freedom, to fulfill the law of God, means that we are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually fulfills the law through our freedom. Now, how does this work? Um, Many of us, when we think about the Holy Spirit, the first thing we jump to is uh, sort of the power, right, of the Holy Spirit. The things the Holy Spirit can do, the signs and wonders. And, And these things are good. Right? And they're holy, and, and God uses them amazingly. But we often forget that perhaps the first function of the Holy Spirit, in fact, it is the first function of the Holy Spirit, is not to give us power to do things. It's actually to convict us of our sin and call us to repentance. The Holy Spirit convicts us. He reminds us just how far from God we actually are. And then he calls us to repent, to turn back to God. And when that happens, when we realize how far we are from God, how far God has come to offer us our salvation, thanksgiving wells up in our hearts so that in our freedom we want to serve others. It's not an ought or a should. It's something we want and desire and long to do. Um, I read an article this week, and they had this quote about repentance. It said, "Repentance." is the wellspring of Christian compassion. At the moment a Christian asks for forgiveness, he must acknowledge his own weakness and look mercifully on the weaknesses of others. You hear that? When we acknowledge our own weakness, it is in that acknowledgement that we can realize that everybody else around us needs help too. Look, folks, it's not just between you and God. It is between you and God, but once you've set your eyes on God, you cannot help but look with compassion on those around you. You cannot help but desire to reach out in service of those out of grace and compassion. So Paul's point today is this. When we are freed from the law, when we have looked up to Christ, and realize His grace and mercy, we look at our neighbors, and we realize that they need the same, and that that begins with us. Two things for you to think about, and the first is this. Some of you, I'm guessing, have never known this freedom that Paul is talking about. You think your relationship with God is dependent on how you're behaving. Now, you might have the right vocabulary. You might say, well, I'm saved by grace. You might say that I have faith alone in Jesus Christ. But at the end of the day, you're measuring yourself by how good of a Christian you are. How you're behaving. How you're reading your Bible. How you're going to church on Sundays. How you're behaving in comparison to other people. Right? Wow, at least I'm not like them. I must be doing pretty good, right? And that gets to be a burden because you never know. You never know if you're good enough. How are you going to know if you've obeyed the right rules at the right time? How are you going to know if you're better enough than your neighbor to have favor in God's eyes? Paul is saying that Jesus Christ wants to free you from that burden To let you live life without the recipe card, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. To let God convict you of your sin so that you look with thanksgiving on him and with mercy and compassion on others. Have you heard of this kind of freedom before? And the other final application is this. Are you walking in the Spirit? So, so maybe you do know this freedom and you do know the power of the gospel in your life and you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and, and you're really not trying to earn your salvation and you look up to God and give Him glory and praise and, and thanksgiving. But when you look out at the world, well, frankly, you are appalled and you are outraged. That's a sign, perhaps, that you're walking in the flesh or walking in the law instead of the Spirit. And if you think you are self-made and self-sufficient and that everybody else should be able to get there as well, if you lack compassion and mercy, perhaps it's time to remind yourself of the one source of compassion and mercy that was given to you on the cross. And that Jesus Christ died for you because you could not save yourself. And then you can look at your neighbor with that same compassion. And sacrificially give yourself to them so that they too might know the love of Jesus Christ. Friends, we're called to freedom. We're called to let go of these burdens of the law and the flesh that we might know fully the work of Christ in us through the Holy Spirit. May we do that by reminding ourselves daily of the great lengths God went to save us from our own sinfulness, that we might extend that mercy and compassion to the world around us. Let us pray. Lord, thank you that you have fulfilled the law for us, and it is not dependent on what we do or who we are. I do pray that by your grace we would walk in the freedom of your Holy Spirit, and that that freedom would be a wellspring of compassion and mercy for those around us that is sourced solely and fully in your love for us through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.